You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Jesus says some, uh, some crazy things, right? And um, he says some things that are hard to understand and some, some stuff that is, you know, makes you wonder. And uh, one of the things that has always made me wonder uh, when, I, when I've read the scriptures is this, this thing that Jesus says in, in John 16. And it's going to come up on the screen now. And he says this. He says this. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's teaching about the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is maybe something we've read before, maybe something you've heard um, a number of times. But I want us to stop and think about it today. What is Jesus meaning? Why is he saying this? Because it just doesn't seem right that it would be better that Jesus would go away, right? When have you ever said, like, Jesus, I wish you would go away? You know, like, like what I really need, what, what I need most in the world now is for Jesus to go away. You know, like, that's not uh, something I've thought often, right? Um, you know, occasionally he's telling me things that I'll go, I wish you would, but uh, he, he doesn't. He, he's pretty committed to us. And um, it's not a prayer I've prayed often. It's not something I ever really wish for. It's not something I ever really want. But then Jesus is saying right here, hey, it's better for you that I leave. It's better for you that I go away. And surely the best thing would be if Jesus stayed. Right? Surely the best thing would be if he was with me all the time, teaching me, guiding me, telling me what to do, you know, because I'm stupid and I need that help. You know, and he could just be there modeling a life of worship and sacrifice and power and love, and I would just copy him, and that would be better, right? That would be good. That would be great. That has to be the best thing. But Jesus says, no, he says, it is better that I leave. And one of the reasons is this, is because if Jesus was here right next to me, all I would do is ask him questions, right, the whole time. I would just be, Jesus, what should I do? Jesus, which, which, which brand of, of uh, ketchup is best, is most holy, is most righteous? Jesus, what should I do? We would, we would come up with all the same kind of questions that we do normally, actually. Like, what, what should I do, Lord? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What what should my career be? How should I parent my children? Lord, what should I do? Lord, what should I do? Lord, what should I do? Right? And they're the kind of questions that we we would plague him with. And they're the kind of questions we do plague him with. Right? What should I do? Where should I go? Where should I work? How should I be? And these are the questions that can dominate our prayer lives. And these are the questions that often swirl around our heads at night. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I marry? How should I parent? And um, in the 90s, uh, which is maybe the best decade, uh, in the 90s, um, these these questions in the church were summed up in one question, okay? And and if you were a teenage Christian in the 90s, as I was... um, then you would be very familiar with this question. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen now, and it's uh, WWJD. I added the hashtag to make it current. And um, um, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? 
And if you were a teenager, Christian teenager in the 90s, you would have had a bracelet with it on. It was like WWJD. And it became this real big thing. You know, like today we would say it went viral. You know, it was like huge. It was this huge thing. What would Jesus do? And that was the question. That was a great question to ask. Like, what would Jesus do? And that would actually help you in your faith and in your life if you were to ask that question, you know, what would, what would Jesus do? And it is a good question, but it's an inadequate question. And I want to illustrate why, okay? So say, say tomorrow I, I am named the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? It's... Uh, Oh, it wouldn't be worse, would it, than what's going on? But it, it's saying I was. That's not. It's not. I love the Jags, but gosh, we're terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, so say I was named starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars tomorrow, okay? And I'm out there, and we get to you know the first September, uh, first Sunday in September, and I'm out there on the field, and um, and I've read the playbook all the way through, okay? I know every everything in the playbook. I know exactly what to do. I've watched it. That's all the tape, right? Um, and there I am, and I have to make my first throw. Uh, w- would I make it? No, is the, uh, is the unequivocal answer <laughs> to that question. I've tried throwing a spiral. I can do it about once in every 30, 40 attempts. And, uh, a bit like Blaine Gabbert. And, um, and so if I ask myself this question, if I'm standing there in the moment, okay, I'm there... You know, I come out of the huddle, I'm standing there, I'm in the pocket, it's going to be snapped to me. And I say, what would Peyton Manning do? Okay, what would Peyton Manning do right now? And I know because I've read the playbook, I know because I've seen all his tape, I know exactly what he would do. And the ball comes to me, would I be able to do it? The answer is no. But if I had the spirit of Peyton Manning living in me, Okay, that sounds creepy, I know, but, but go, go with, you see where I'm going, right? If I had the spirit of Peyton Manning living in me, then I'd be throwing those barrels, and there would be touchdowns, and we would win the Super Bowl. There is a much better question to ask than what would Jesus do? And it, what would Jesus do is a good question, but there is a much better one. It's not quite as catchy, though, and it's this. Uh... <laughs> Wit for wisdom. Wit for wisdom. <laughs> it, it doesn't fit on a bracelet, so it, it does, it's not quite as good. But this is, this is what this question is. And that is, who is the Father and what is he saying to me? All right? This is a much better question. Who is the Father and what is he saying to me? And in our prayer lives and in our, in our walk with the Lord, we ask the question, what would Jesus do? Or what does he want me to do? Or where should I go? But this is a much better question. Who is the Father and what is he saying? Who is the Father and what is he saying? Now, some of the things that he will say to you will be things you need to do. Right? He will say to you, you need to go there and you need to do that. You need to move there. You need to get up. You need to speak to that person. You need... He will tell you some things to do. But we don't need to hear him speak in order to tell us what to do. We need to hear him speak in order to hear what he has to say. Right? 
That's why we need to hear him speak, to hear what he has to say. He is God, and we need to hear what he has to say. And sometimes he doesn't speak in a way that tells us what to do. Sometimes he speaks in a way that tells us who he is. Sometimes he speaks in a way that tells us who we are. Sometimes he tells us um, about his heart or about his kingdom. Who is the Father and what is he saying to me? And this is the question that will transform your life. Right here. What would Jesus do is concerned with the work of God, and it is a good question because we are called to be imitators of Christ. But who is the Father and what is he saying to me is a question concerned with the person of God and his word, which is his will. Jesus came to reveal the Father, and he gives us his spirit so we might see the Father and hear his voice. So when Jesus is saying this crazy thing that it's better for me to leave. This is what he ends up saying. This is how he explains that. This is what he gets to. He wants us to hang on his every word. That we need to be a people who hang on his every word. So this is what it says. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So when Jesus is describing why he has to leave and why he has to give us his Holy Spirit, this is why. And so as Jesus is describing that, he uses the word declare three times. He uses the word speak twice. He describes the Holy Spirit as a helper and a counselor. So if you want to understand who the Holy Spirit is, you want to understand why Jesus had to leave, why it was better that he had to leave, here's where to start. Because the Holy Spirit reveals to us the Father. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the words, the very voice of God. Everybody can hear the voice of God. This is Jesus' new declaration. There is no discrimination with the Holy Spirit. He is the great equalizer. He doesn't care how old you are. He feels Jews and non-Jews. He feels men and women. He feels old and young, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, people of every nation and background. If everything that you think disqualifies you from hearing the word of God is null and void by the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus achieved on the cross, you can now be a child of God and you can hear his voice, his very voice speaking to you. And it doesn't matter who your parents are or where you went to school. You have the Holy Spirit and he is speaking the words of the Father directly, intimately to you. When, um, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on, on, on his people, it's uh, called Pentecost, right? So we see in Acts 2 where um, the Holy Spirit is given to the people of God. Okay? And uh, Pentecost is a Greek word and it means 50 days. Okay? And all the people of God were in Jerusalem for a, for a celebration, for a festival. And it's the celebration of the 50 days. It's called, um, uh, they would have called it um, Shavuot, okay, which is the, the, celeb- the celebration of, the, of 50 days after 
uh, the people of God were led out of Egypt. Okay, so the people of God are led out of Egypt by Moses, and then 50 days later, they um, the word of God is given to the people. Okay, and how is it given to the people through Moses on, you know, Mount Sinai with two tablets of stone, right? And the and the Ten Commandments are given, and so this celebration, this day where the Lord pours out His Spirit, is is to remember that it's given on the day to remember when the law is given to the people right and i want to look at something that happens that day and i think what the lord is doing in pouring out his spirit on this particular day at this particular festival tells us something really interesting okay so we're going to look at the day that uh, moses received the law okay and this is in exodus 20 it says this Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So on the day that the Holy Spirit is is poured out is on the day that remembers this event. And what the people of God choose on this event, God's not saying to the people here, I'm only going to speak through Moses and I'm only going to speak through the law. The people choose this, right? This is what the people choose on this day. They choose to only hear the voice of God via Moses. They they choose to only hear the voice of God via the law is, is what they're choosing on this day. So when God pours out his spirit on the day that this event is remembered, he is reversing the decision of the people of God. He is restoring things to how he intended that every person may hear the voice of God. So what happens on Pentecost is this, that every person can hear the voice of God. Now let's read what it says in Acts 2. the italics are mine obviously Um, (laughs) when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided into tongues of fire a word of fire And it appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. So with these italics, I'm trying to get you to see what's going on on the day of Pentecost. This is what happens. We hear God's voice. The sound of a rushing wind, a word of fire. And then we begin to speak what God is saying. Okay? This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. This is what happens when he fills us. This is what happens. Is that we hear the voice of God. We hear the voice of God, a sound, a word of fire. We hear the voice of God. But then it doesn't just stop there. We then speak out what we hear. 
through tongues, through prophetic words, through prayer, through worship. We hear God's voice and then we begin to speak. And P- Peter makes this even clearer as, clear as he goes on. He says, uh, when he preaches the church's first ever sermon, he says this. And in the, he quotes the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay? So this is what he's saying. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. He's prophesying this day. And what will happen on this day? This is what will happen on this day. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on male servants and female servants, i.e. everybody, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Prophesy basically means that when the spirit of God is poured out, we will hear him speak and then we will speak what he is saying. And it's crucial for us to understand this, that the first part of this is waiting to hear what God has to say, right? This is why the Spirit is given. But the second part is also important. We need to speak out what he has said. Right? The Word of God is not released in the hearing but in the speaking. The word of God is not released in the hearing, but the speaking. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. And it is an amazing thing. That when you speak, things are now created. That when you share what God has shown you, spiritual realities are changed. That when you worship, the kingdom of God is ushered in. But we struggle, don't we, often, a lot of us, to share, to speak, to actually put words to what God has to say. And I think sometimes that's where we struggle. Is not that God would speak to us, but that we would have the faith to confirm it by saying yes and amen, and I'm going to speak it out. This is what God has said, you know. And it's, it's not just prophetic words. It's not just what to do, but it is who he is. So when God reveals to us who he is, there's something powerful about us then saying that. Letting those words turn into worship. That the revelation of who he is then turns into worship. That when he reveals to us his nature and his character, it then turns into worship and prayer. That when he tells us who we are, we then speak that out in faith. And so often we will, we will hear it, won't we? Like We will hear God say good things to us. We will hear him say encouraging words to us. We will hear him say that we are loved and we are chosen and we are blessed. And then we just say, yep, thank you. But then to actually put that on your lips and to say, I am chosen. I am blessed. I am loved. I am forgiven. And to actually speak that out, it's actually in that moment that the power is then released and we we actually really begin to believe it, right? It's one thing to hear the word of God, but it's another to speak it out. And it's in the speaking out that the power is released. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to hear God speak and I want us to speak it out. So we're going to stand.